Hey guys, before we get to today's episode, I just wanted to take this time to say I hope everyone's staying safe. Hope you're looking after yourselves. And yeah, let's just continue to follow the recommendations that have been given to us. Stay home, stay safe. And to all those essential workers, we really appreciate you. Thank you so much for all the work you've been doing. What is up, guys? Welcome to another episode of the Bias Reality Podcast. It is your host, Orwell. And today, I am joined by three people who we should already know by now. Introduce yourself, guys. Yeah, my name's Esther. Um, as always, I don't know what to say after I say my name. Yeah, you guys probably remember her from, you know, the episode on racism. Yeah. And we also have... Aisha. I'm back once again. and as usual the third person needs no introduction doesn't even need to introduce himself you already know who it is promise thanks for having me one more time from dog from dog (laughs) (laughs) and um yeah so we're doing the whole today we have to record you know via social distancing so probably not you know the same quality that you guys are used to, but hey, look, we got to make it work, you know. That's all right. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, so today we're going to be talking about the gender pay gap. Big topic. Caused a lot of arguments. First of all, as I like to do, you know, I just wanted to start with, what is, what, what do you, what, what do you guys think the gender pay gap is? Like, what's your idea of the gender pay gap? Basically, um, or according, because like you said um, earlier, this one is a very controversial topic. It's actually the first time I've actually sat down and thought, okay, I need to get some notes together because I can't just come here and spit out opinions. I got to, you know, be factual. Because it's, it, like, it, it's, it's very sensitive and a lot of people can get triggered if you say the wrong thing. So the stuff um, you were saying before was not factual? Not <laughs> factual, but this time we I have to... didn't research anything before. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. Like, like with, with the previous topics, like obviously I had a broad knowledge of what I was talking about and I didn't need to sit down and you know, check things out. But this time, yeah. obviously, numbers is not my thing for starters. So I, I'm not trying to, you know, make a fool of myself, you know? Um, so I did a little bit of reading and like, you know, obviously relied a lot on government websites and I realized that we're talking specifically Australia. So I had to focus on, you know, the ABS and, and things like that, you know, um, but what my understanding, even without obviously any research, gender, gender pay gap is basically uh, like, you know, the difference between women's and men's average earnings, you know over a period of time, whether it's calculated weekly, monthly, or yearly, it's yep. the, you know, the average weekly, the, the average, you know, the, the difference in your earning and, you know, like it's like it's basically used to measured, you know, the, the, like it's, Jesus Christ, it's a measure in <laughs> sort of figuring out the gap between the, the, the genders when it comes to, you know, monetary income. Yep. 
that's that's what our understanding is. Yeah. yeah, so basically, you know, as a percentage of what men earn. What about the rest of you guys? That's pretty much my understanding. Um, like the difference between how much men and uh, sorry, the difference in earnings between men and women. Um, yeah, that's what I understand. And the gap is that men, women tend to statistically earn less than men do. Yep. Overall. Yeah. Was there anything else you wanted to add to that, Aisha, or is that, or is that you know, your basic, basically general understanding as well? Uh, that's basically my general understanding as well. Um, and yeah, just acknowledging that its existence is caused by like a wide range of of factors but we'll get into that later on yep so before we even move on yeah i'm gonna ask a question might be a silly question but i feel like i have to ask this question because i've met a lot of people who actually the question is do you believe the gender pay gap does exist like i think i don't think there's um much of an argument against the fact that it does exist i think where the problem is is why it exists so definitely everywhere you go there's going to be some sort of gap in most cases favoring males in some very in a few cases favoring females but we have to understand why this gap is present and you know why it's clean here True, true. Now, the reason I ask this question, even though it sounds silly, is because I have met quite a few people who are very insistent on the fact that it doesn't exist anymore. Yep. It used mm-hmm. to exist, but it no longer exists. And I'm like, mm. uh, so, you know, I want to know what direction this conversation is going to go. <laughs> but, <laughs> I'm super nervous because I was just watching a YouTube video. Um, I mean, I'm not going to talk as much as everyone else because, honestly, I still feel like I have so much reading to do. But I'm super nervous about this because, again, like you said, oh, well, I don't know what direction this is going to take. Um, but there are so many. I, I didn't. I knew it existed and I knew it was a problem. And, of course, as soon as I hear it, I'm, like, angry because, you know, as a woman, like, I'm the one who's statistically um, worse off than, um, than a man, right? Yeah. But I hadn't actually read a lot about it. Like, I knew general statistics about, like, women, um, particularly in Australia earning less but like there's so many reasons people who believe that it exists people who don't believe that it exists and then you toss feminism into it as well I was like whoa man what have I walked into it is wild so I'm really interested as well to see like what what direction this conversation takes as well yeah definitely it's definitely going to be an interesting one now before we jump into you know talking about it in Australia why do we think that this is still an issue like it's been happening for a very long time. So why, like, why has it been allowed to happen for so long? I think one of the reasons being that people are still not acknowledging that it exists, and not, and when they do, they don't actually try to tackle the reasons as to why it exists. They probably they would use um, short term solutions rather than mm-hmm. long term sustainable ones. Mm-hmm. That's a, that is a good point. Do you guys have anything else to add to that? Um, in terms of why it still exists, I think, you know, I do agree with what I just said. Like, there are some people out there arguing that it doesn't. Instead of focusing on the fact that it does and trying to figure out why it does and how we can 
within reason, obviously, without decent, decent franchising, other people try to figure out how we can be as, as fair as we can to everyone in the workforce. Um, I think one of the big reasons why it still exists and, and you know, what you were saying earlier that like some people believe it doesn't exist. Some people believe it still exists. And they're like, I think some people struggle to sort of explain what, what they mean when they say it doesn't exist. Cause I've met some people who say it doesn't exist, but the reason they're saying it doesn't exist is because they are saying like, you know, it's not just based on the argument that some feminists are making that the only reason it exists, it exists is because the workplace is sexist and because you're a woman, you get this amount of money. And that's why some people are saying it doesn't exist. In actual fact, it does exist. However, why it's still being why it is still being a problem problem is is one of the major reasons I found I found in what I was in the, the research I was doing today is that the way these statistics is delivered to the general public is not helping. Like the way people like you know like a lot of people, there are a lot of young girls who just believe that because they are females, they're going to end less than males just because they're a woman. And that's very problematic. There are so many factors that account for, like as I was saying earlier, there are so many reasons why there is a gender pay gap. And it's still an issue because, you know, the people who are willing to acknowledge that there is an issue, that, that it, it, it does exist, are not willing to sort of sit down and figure out you know why it actually why it is actually happening and how we can solve it instead they're trying to most of them anyway are they trying to focus on it's just because of sexism why the yeah, ones well, who don't believe since it? i have you guys here let's I, I understand you know there are people who do you know say things like this and again like you know based on everything you said let's then talk about that um a reasoning behind why it actually does exist I just I just wanted to add something just before we move on to that in terms of why do why do I think it's so prominent and I'll try and uh, articulate it as well as I can but if we think about the fact that women weren't treated as equally as men up until you know a few years ago in terms of like legislative provisions and work provision like being able to go to work just as um, a man would I think that the long term effects of that. Um, are still evident in our society today and the fact that we may not necessarily be taking as strong of a stand in many countries as we could or should be uh, should be taking means that bridging that gap between men and women is going to keep taking us you know years and years and years it's not Mm. something that can be solved you know in 5 10 15 years it's something that's going to take decades to fix and the the longer the longer the longer we take to address the problem the greater the gap or the greater the time it'll take for us to fix it essentially so i think that that's why it still exists today um you know people perhaps one of um people's reasons why they think it it doesn't exist is because oh no you know we've passed laws about that like women are treated equally before the law and all that kind of stuff but socially there are still remnants of you know, um, certain gender roles and, you know, expectations on women that mean that even though legally they're allowed the same um, rights and, you know, privileges as men, um, socially they're still being held back in some ways. And I'm sure we'll get onto that as some some of the reasons why um, the pay gap does exist. 
Yep, thank you for that, Esther. And um, coming back on what you said, and as well, promise when you were did, when you were talking, which was what I was asking you before, you did you know mention the fact that um, you know the reasoning behind people saying it doesn't exist, and you know how it's you know more on a like they're not really talking about like you know why that pay gap doesn't exist. Instead, they're talking about the fact that you know it doesn't exist in like the level that it's been shown. And all of that. And Esther, you mentioned something very important there, which was um, gender roles, which coincidentally is, you know, is our theme for the month. And um, that's something I did want to talk about because, again, that's something that we do see. One of the reasons, like the pay gap does exist, is because you know, men and women still, you know, work in very gender-based, you know, industries. And historically, like even presently, we can see that female-dominated industries do tend to, you know, get paid lower. Why? Why is that? Why is that the case? Is that for okay for everyone? I guess. Because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> I was really because I thought you respond to Esther. Or, oh um, no! It was just you know based on what you said. So yeah. I just wanted to know like why? Like why do we think that's the case? Like why? Why is it that the female dominated industries are still you know getting paid lower than the male dominated yeah, male dominated and, industries? When we when we get to that um. When we get to that um, to that like point, or like I'll, I'll, I knew we we're gonna get to that, but I didn't think we we're gonna get to that so quickly, because obviously when I was doing my um, when I was doing my readings and get my notes down, like I was trying to figure out obviously factors that affect, you know, mm. gender pay gap, and and that was one of the most prominent one, um, like you know, because I said men, men and fe- males and females generally have. A very different preference when it comes to work choices, but the issue is that the female-dominated um, workplaces are, you know, generally less paid compared, like a significant less paid compared to the male-dominated um, industries, and obviously that plays a significant role when you calculate gender pay gap. When, for instance, let's say social workers and teachers and healthcare workers are not paid as much as say pilots or engineers and you know, say even doctors. So what, and you see, when that question comes up, why is that the case? Um, that's where you can start to, to bring up issues like, you know, sexism. That, that's where you can start to bring up issues like, so you can start to bring up issues like sexism and, and you, know, you know, gender, gender bias when it comes to, to, to pay. Because if, if you look at it, the, the reality is, that, um, for, for instance, you know, you can't really argue that, like, the, the, there's a very strong argument that the female-dominated, you know, industries are actually more essential to human, to, to, to society being... Well, to, coronavirus has showed us that. Exactly. <laughs> so, so the female-dominated industries are actually more essential to to human beings than the male-dominated industry. And like you just said, now, the coronavirus has shown us that, like, teachers are still wanted. You know, educated care workers are still wanted, social workers are still wanted, nurses are still wanted, you know, but for some reason, those industries that are, you know, essential to human survival is for some reason paid less than industries that we can more or less do without. And I think that's the, the, the biggest issue when it comes to calculating, you know, the, the, the gender pay, pay gap. It, it's more than just, like, you know, you're a woman, so you're going to end... 20 cents less than a man per dollar or whatever this, the, the, the figure is for that. There's like, it's more of a systematic, you know, barrier than just, you know, being, because at the end of the day, like I'm a man who works in a very female dominated industry, you know, 
again, I just want to remind everyone that I am essential. Um, <laughs> I am essential, just in case you are wondering. I, I, work, I work in child protection. And so it doesn't mean that as a man who works in, you know, in child protection, for some reason I'm paid more than the females who work in child protection. You know, it's just the fact that as a female dominated industry, we're not paid as much as, say, accountants or engineers who do work that we can we can go without, you know, to some extent anyway. I'm not trying to, you know, talk down on other professions. That's not what I'm doing. But I'm just saying I think it's more of a, you know, systematic issue that the, the, the jobs that people are actually required to be in for society to continue to move forward is paid significantly less. And then you don't have to start asking the question, is there proof that this is done simply because females are more, like simply because those areas are more female dominated? I don't know that there's an evidence for that, but there's there's definitely an argument for that, you know? Um, so I, it definitely is a systematic problem. I, I think um, if, if you look at it, it's like other, apart from, you know, women being in more, in more in, in less paid occupations, if you, you look at things like in the domestic work and, you know, non-paid care work, they're also done by a lot of females. So I, I think right from time, for, for one reason or the other, society has decided that um, those jobs are not, should not be paid as much, which I think is, is, is a bigger problem than, you know, a boss or a manager saying, oh, you're a woman, so I'm, I'm just going to assume you're not as good as... I, at, at, your, at, at your job as a man, so I'm going to pay you less. I think that's where the systematic, you know, gender bias is is very prominent. That every job that's female dominated is not as paid as well paid as jobs that are male dominated. You did raise um some pretty important point, points and stuff that I do want to talk about, and I'm just you know taking notes of that. But before we get to that, I wanted to ask a question. Where again, you did mention promise when we started that we're going to be focusing more on Australia. So how prominent do we think that this, you know, gender pay, pay gap, how prominent do we think that is in Australia? Yeah, like I think, like, you know, like I was saying, like, according to the Australian Bureau of Statistics, um, as of November last year, um, November 2019, uh, the national gender pay gap was 13.9% mm -hmm. in favor of men. And this boils down to, on average, males earning, uh, you know, before tax and, you know, before anything was calculated, salary, sacrifice, whatever it was, on average, a man was earning $1,751.40 per week, while a woman was earning $1,508.50 per week. Can I just say, I calculated my own weekly earnings and I was like, I'm not even earning what the woman's earning. So I need to change jobs. All right. You need to take your boss. Huh? It's like, who is, where do I need to get into to earn that kind of money? <laughs> but yeah, that's 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 the gap. That's the that's the gap. And obviously, like you know, when I was reading all these things, you were saying there are numerous things, you know, that will come come into play. Those are figures you're taking before things like tax, you know, overtime. Um, sort of what, what you're doing before all those things came into play those were the figures so and obviously the statistics were saying that you know we, we always get my stats from anywhere I, I did i have a link to it i can send it to you later oh, um they i've got the stats that, aside okay they're also saying that um, <laughs> they're also saying that um 
it's you know in, in most cases like he, they they were saying things like you know males do end up doing more of the time you know males significantly less males have to worry about you know going home and looking after their kids they have to they are more flexible in picking up the extra work because it was easier for them so all these things taken into consideration before you know like you know all the things we are not taking into consideration before this, these numbers were given and just for the record i think a- act has the smallest pay gap in australia so 8.9% when you government and politician workers. So yeah, um so yeah, like the, those are the figures. Thirteen point nine and you know there's about two hundred and twenty dollars gap per week for, for males and females nationwide nationwide. Um yeah, that's the that's what the stats are saying. Yeah, and again, if you look look at that stat, you did mention that ACT has the um, lowest, you know, pay gap being eight point nine percent. But then again, we also have Western Australia, which has a twenty two point one percent pay like pay gap, which is way higher than you know the national average. And yeah, I was trying to read and understand just like you know what's happening there. Like, why is it that the pay gap is so vast? And honestly, there's yeah, like. There's not a lot of information on that. Apparently, there was like something set up in 2006 to you know look into the pay gap and work on that and just make it better. In Australia, but, yeah, in Australia, just in Western Australia. Like, so I was joking before about the fact that Canberra has so many government workers and politicians and things, and of course, with we in working under government bodies, there's you know like a set standard in terms of um, how much people get paid and things like that. Yep. It's very strictly regulated. Just to take a stab in the dark at probably the reason why that's the case in WA, Western Australia has quite, um, well, used to, um, was the place where like the mining mining, the jobs, mining yeah. and stuff was going on. And that, of course, we know is a very male-dominated industry as well. So that could potentially be a factor in terms of why the pay gap is so high there that even though there was a lot of mining work going on there, the majority of people who were working in mining would have been men or are mm-hmm. men rather, um, whereas a lot of women probably found themselves working in other positions that didn't. And mining pays a lot of money, you know. If if I could probably do my degree <laughs> again, I'd go into mining. Um, but again, the boom's over. But um, a lot of women probably were working in industries apart from mining, which means that yeah. they weren't earning just as much as um, as the men. So, I mean, I have no statistics or anything to back that up, just to to yeah. disclaim. No, I do. I do taking a stab in the dark. Yeah, I do agree with that. But then again, you didn't, as you mentioned. You know, this is what like would have been happening, considering like currently the yeah, um, what's yeah, it called the gap is still that you know still that wide. And as someone who has never been to WA, I honestly do not know what employment opportunities are like over it's there. Beautiful, but it's very slow. Like it's slower. In terms of pace, mm. very laid back. Yeah, because if you're looking at the figures for, you know, everywhere else, I think New South Wales was on like 14.9% in terms of the pay gap. But then all of that compared to 22.1 in WA, there's got to be, you know, a reason for that. And again, like mm-hmm. you said, mining jobs is, are probably still like, you know, a big thing over there. I have no clue. I have nothing to back that up. This is just, you know, me speedballing. <laughs> but, um, 
But no, going back to just those statistics as well, this was something Promise mentioned earlier when he was talking about, you know, how the pay gap is calculated and how it takes into account, like, you know, different factors. And basically, like, when I did my research, it's basically saying, like, you know, the pay gap, it's not, you know, a comparison of like jobs. It's basically just the average men make and the average women make. But then if we then go, you know, further and we start looking at actual, like, jobs and, like, you know, like for like, especially in the medical field, I think they have the highest pay gap. Mm-hmm. And um, promise, promise you, when you were talking before, you mentioned, you know, working in social services and, like, you know, how that's more of a female-dominated um, industry. And, again, we, we are talking about how female-dominated industries tend to make less money. But funny enough, from my research, it turns out that um, in Australia, um, social services and... Um, Oh yeah, so healthcare and social services actually has the largest pay gap by um what's it called industry. So men in yeah, so men in social services tend to earn a lot more than the women do, even though it's a female dominated industry. And I feel like, you know, that's that might give us a little bit of an insight into, you know, the fact that sometimes it's not just, I guess, the industry or like, you know, just the fact that it's you're working in a particular job that's getting paid less. But the fact that even in certain jobs, women and men working in those same jobs, there's there's still those discrepancies. And again, Mm -hmm. I wanted to like to throw that out there. Like what reasons do you think there are for this besides, you know, it just being sexist and like what factors do you think contribute to that? Just based off what I've also been reading, um, a lot of the time, some women do tend to go for the lower paying jobs just because of the flexibility. A lot of these women do have children and, the higher up the position is, the less flexibility there is for uh, when it comes to childcare. So, mm. I mean, I guess like in health services, it's pretty well known that nurses don't get paid the amount that they actually do deserve. And I would, I don't, I guess my statistics could also be wrong, but I think nursing is a pretty female dominated field too. Yeah. Or, yeah. That's yeah. I, I, I agree with Aisha. Um, and just to add on top of that, like when say, you know, a man and a woman end up start up in their nursing career, they're all equal and stuff. But as you get older, um, or as you progress your career, a few positions will start opening up in terms of like management position or senior positions. Um, like I was saying earlier, a lot of societal factors, which is still, um, which still draw women back will come into play when a woman decides, should I go for this position? Or should I, you know, decide to just stay here? Because like Aisha said, there's flexibility and there's more um, guarantee that I'll be able to do X, you know, thing that I need to do when I get home or take care of the kids or whatever. Um, So I think definitely um, even when we find ourselves in industries where there are both men and women working, men, because they don't have as much of a a weight, (laughs) I don't want to when I make it seem as if a negative, as if, as if kids or, you know, other oh, no, we understand what you mean. Just that thing. responsibility like, and yeah, expectation. Sorry, that's the right word, yeah. Responsibility and expectation. They don't have those things upon them um, necessarily and generally speaking, not for, not in every case, but they don't have those responsibilities upon them means that they can, they don't have to think about five other things before they say, yeah, I'm going to apply for that position. Um, yeah, and there are other factors that come into play when when men and women look at a job description um, in terms of 
whether or not they'll actually hit apply. But we can talk about that later. Mm. Yeah, and in terms of just to add to what you said, Esther. Yeah, just to add to what you said. Um, you know, you, you did mention the fact that yeah, like you know, did sometimes females are hesitant to apply for these higher positions due to you know less flexibility in terms of maternity leave and all these little other all these other things that could happen because you're a woman. Mm. And first, I'm going to use my, I'm going to use myself as, as an example. Like you know, why while the ACT government. I think that they've done a great job in being able to hold positions for a reasonable amount of time for women who are going on maternity leaves and things like that. Um, and genuinely, I don't think there's anything any government policy or any you know workplace policy can do to fix this in terms of you know bridging the gap for this for the, for this reason. Um, I'm say, for example, I get employed the same day as a female colleague, right? We get the same pay, we're in the same position. We're working, we're getting promoted together, everything's all well and good, right? At some point, this lady gets pregnant, yeah? She then takes 12 months off. Sometimes they take they take 12 months off, they get pregnant again, that's under 12 months, that's two years. Between that two years, they've been off work, right? I've been able to apply for new positions, and I've been promoted yeah. maybe two or three times mm. before they come back to the workplace. So while the position is going to be held for them for that, however long they've used for maternity leave, when they get back to the office, it's almost certain that I'm going to be any significantly more than they are. They're two years mm. behind you. Exactly. Yeah, because they're two years yep. behind me. And, you know, I, I think that's, that that comes down to the, you know, to different choices and different, you know, biological, you know, factors that affect men and women. And so for reasons like that, you know, like for reasons like that, sometimes just to avoid that, some women would just go, actually, I'm not going to bother going for that position because yep. I don't want to get there and then take a year off because I'm, you know, because I need to have a child or I need to look after my child. And even, for example, there are still some 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 females who are, you know, there are like a lot of women in the workplace who are employed full-time. But this coronavirus things happened and now they're working from home because they have to look after their child, right? Their children, right? Because they're not going to school. Now, when you're working from home, there's it's, it's almost unlike it's very unlikely that you need to do overtime and things like that because you're already working from home, like you're already at home, like you you're, you're it's unlikely that you'll come across an emergency that would lead to you needing to work extra because when you're working from home, in my job, there's only so much you can do, right? Oh, my job's the opposite, man. No, yeah, yeah, I, mean, I'm, 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 I'm I find that if I'm working from home, I work longer hours because I'm the computer's there. <laughs> yeah, because I'm, I'm I'm talking specifically in regards to my own job. Like you know, you have right, to see yeah. people face to face and meet clients mm, and things like. Yeah, when you're at yeah. home, you're not you're not, in, you're not in any of those things. Yeah, Whereas myself, who was in the office on Friday, I was in the office till about eight thirty p.m. because an emergency came up. Right, all those times going to get accounted for, and I'll get paid for it. So the lady who's at home looking after her child is very is less likely to encounter mm-hmm. that problem. So there's all these little factors that they come into it. It's like, you know, because like you said, you know, even in the female dominated industries, we are, you know, the, the pay is in general less. Men has to get in a lot more pay, like that, that in the 22.3%. Like, like here, yeah, there are the factors that, you know, as much as the government can try to bridge that gap, there are some factors that you just cannot have a policy around. Because if you look at, look at the other side of it, you can then turn around and tell me who 
I've been working for this two years, right? This lady's been on maternity leave for two years. She comes back and then there is no way you can then put her in the same pay grade as myself who's worked continuously for that two years. Like, you you know, you, you can't, like, except for some reason I've stayed stagnant in my position and she comes back then, yes. But if I've gained two, three, four promotions before she gets back, you can't justify promoting someone who hasn't worked for two years. Mm. That's that's something that I think affects that 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 plays a role. And anyway, I'm not saying that's the only reason. I'm saying I think yeah. that plays a significant role in you know that that gap within the you know minimal the the, the minimum paying work like in you know, the healthcare, social assistance, and and the rest of it. Mm. Um, do you guys have anything else to add to that before we move on? All right. Well, um. <laughs> No, promise. So, if, if going off what you've said, then it sounds like again, considering having children and taking care of children, that's something that's continuously going to keep happening, especially as a woman. Like, sorry, yes. but like guys cannot have Absolutely. kids. We're, we're, we're not going to take time out to have kids. If only. So, that being said, yeah, it sounds like again, it's something that's always going to be a problem. So how yeah. exa- how can we bridge this gap? And again, like I said, it, if we're going off like all these different factors that does that that do account to this year, it mm. sounds like it's ju- it's it's going to be really hard to solve. So how yeah. long do we t- t- think it's going to take for us to get there? And just yeah, how ca- how how would we be able to bridge that gap? I think I think you know bridging the gap based on you know the example I've just given. I like I don't know how like what sort of policy will be written to to counter that. I think I think the the best organizations of, 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 of public services can do is to ensure that a woman does not lose a job because she went off to have children. And even though, like you know, some private organizations are not able to afford that. And I'm talking in terms of the government and full time positions. It's very important that you know we, we continue to 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 promote the idea that you know once someone is employed full, on a full time basis, their position is retained. Like you know, going off to have a child for twelve months or even more should not then put your job in in in, in jeopardy. However, mm-hmm. you can't have a situation where someone has been off work for twelve months to twelve to twenty four months, and they come back, and you expect to just put them in the same position where everyone who was working with them when they left are currently in. Like you can't justify that because there's obviously there are processes to this. You have to interview for the promotion you have your work has to be able to show that you're qualified for this position you're going for and if you've been off work for two years you cannot do that so i i just don't know that based on you know maternity leave and coming back i, I just don't know that policy can be shifted to to, to break down that barrier yeah I, but i guess that's one factor you know this whole thing about yeah. again promotion and you know coming back from, you know, for example, maternity leave after like say a year and then the people in the same position as you when you left are obviously going to be ahead of you. I guess that's one side of things that contributes to the overall gender pay gap. But then let's also talk about like just in terms of like people working in similar jobs or people working in the same job and that pay gap there before they've gone off and had kids or whatever. Because again, let's be honest, like there are certain um, industries do take 
that into consideration as well when they're negotiating salary, when they're offering jobs, when they're mm-hmm. hiring, based on the fact that, hey, okay, there's potential for this person to live. So this isn't even even about like, you know, promotion and, you know, you guys starting off on level ground and then you moving up because you got promoted. But instead, right from the jump, the man does that off on a higher footing. Again, that's not something that working in like government, for example, that's usually not a problem there, which is, again, I guess, like Esther said, contributes to why Canberra does have a lower percentage. Because when I did work for the government, I know we start here, we start here and then we apply for promotions and da 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 but there are certain industries, especially the ones that have the higher pay gaps, where when they do hire, it's basically like, you know, men are starting on a certain level, women are starting on a lower level before anybody even applies for promotion. So let's talk about those ones. Like, why do we think that's the case? And that, Because, again, that's not, you know, a very fair thing to do. But at the same time, if you look at it from certain angles, some people might say, hey, it makes sense because this person, you know, in a medical field, this person could leave and then someone else is going to pick up, need to pick up the slack and the chances of the man living to go take care of children is not as high as that. So we should probably pay him more just so, you know, it's basically like future investment. He's going to need to be the one who picks up the slack when she leaves. So like, how, how would we go even go about that? Like what, what's the right way to go about that? I feel like that kind of relates to our discussion last week about like, um, uh, job applications for um, women and how often they they will already have that um yep. that discrimination and, and bias towards them. I mean like a woman who 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 may not even have kids but just because she could have kids or anything like that, they won't give her the job or mm-hmm. they'll give her a lower paying job. Um so yeah, I mean we've got to tackle that issue of gender discrimination in the hiring and pay decision process. So, yeah. But I also I feel mean, like, I, um, oh, sorry. sorry. No, 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 you're fine, go ahead. Oh, uh, it's, not, it's not exactly related to this, but I mean, also while we're talking about how we're gonna sort of tackle this issue, I think a lot of the time people fail to acknowledge that a lot of the work that women do tend to d- do um, handle is is unpaid work I mean your child care your domestic work and all of that stuff and yeah I mean it's unpaid work even though it's a lot of hard work so uh, yeah yeah just to go off what um, Aisha said I guess the point of um, sorry relating to the question of how do we go about tackling it I think Mm -hmm. we can all agree that your um, example about um hiring and remuneration practices in relation to like picking a man over a woman because in the long term a man is less likely to take you know x amount of months off because they've had children um that you know we can all agree that that's a really bad practice and um i think in there are many countries around the world now that are really pushing for not just maternity not just making sure that women can access maternity leave and you know, work um, work towards seamlessly fitting back into the work culture while they're thinking of transitioning back from maternity leave, but also um, implementing and mandating like things like paternity leave as well, so that it balances out that you know if the um, if two, if a man and a woman are in a couple are in a relationship rather, and they have children 
or they have a child, that the woman will take X amount of months off and then the man will also take X amount of months off. And that way there's a balance in terms of um, both both partners taking time off to look after their kids. So it's not just the, the woman in the relationship that is disadvantaged in terms of um, yeah. having to put her career on hold, but the man also has to do that. So I think um, I can't remember the countries. They're probably Scandinavian <laughs> um, that have done that. Um, but those kinds of practices are things that we should definitely incorporate. Um, and certainly that when we're hiring, that we're hiring just because we know that even if this person is here for, you know, um, two years before they have to go off and have a kid, they're the best person for the job. So we're going to hire exactly. them. Do you know what I mean? Like life yep. happens and none of us would be here if we weren't given birth to. And women, you know, are the only ones, uh, well, so far, um, are generally the only ones who can do that. Um, so instead of looking at as looking at it as a, a detriment, but actually thinking, well, you know, she's actually going off to bring in new life into the world. Mm-hmm. So let's not penalise her for that um, if and when potentially that could happen. But I think going back to um, Ayesha's last point about, I've forgotten actually, I've just lost my train of thought. Wow. Unpaid work. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. Oh, my God. <laughs> so unpaid work. Um, I think I was watching, I was reading this post the other day and my mum had actually like, so um, I come from an African household and when you talk about like um, gender roles, like that's a big thing um, in a lot of like ethnic communities because, um, you know, I think for a lot of Anglo-Saxon um, households, there can tend to be, um, uh, the gender roles can might not necessarily exist as much, but when you get into ethnic communities and um and multicultural communities, there's another layer of gender roles and gender stereotypes um, that that apply here. So, um, you know, just, well, I'll tell it anyway. They're not going to listen to this podcast. So, (laughs) (laughs) oh, sorry. (laughs) I mean, maybe maybe they will. Who knows? Everybody should listen to this podcast. My (laughs) mum had sat us down and said, um, you know, I need you guys to just, and I'm sure every mum has has said has thought this, but I need you guys to just do things as they need to be done in the house. Like, don't wait for me to tell you to do to do it. Like something is going to that conversation. Oh, okay, good. <laughs> See, it's universal. It's no matter where you come from. Like, and I was like, well, I don't know what needs to be done. Whatever. Like, uh, all three of us were like ganging up and kind of being like, well, you just got to tell us, you know. Like, if you know what needs to be done, then just let us know and we'll do it. And that was like how the conversation ended. But then I saw this Facebook post the other day and it said um, there's there's this term and I've probably gotten it wrong, but it's like emotional emotional work that females often have to do, especially if they have families, that before a woman goes to bed at night and it was like it was made in the form of a comic strip. She says to her husband, oh, look, I'm just going to I'm going to head to bed. But I don't know before, what you're talking about. Yeah, but before she gets to bed, she has to clean up the house. She has to make food for the for the kids for tomorrow. She has to, um, you know, put the laundry in the in the in the washing machine. And as she's making her way across the house, she's also cleaning because she comes across, you know, things that people have just left on the floor and she's picking all that stuff up. So by the time she gets to bed, it's like one a.m. in in the morning. But her husband's already, you know, just watched TV, done, you know, taken the bin out or whatever, and hit and hit the sack already. But the, the mental processing or the mental thought that goes into actually taking care of a home, taking care of a family, isn't cannot be compared to the amount of work, the, the amount of mental work that a man spends thinking about 
is family. Do you know what I mean? Like, you know, the kids have to be picked up. What does that mean? You know, we have to get up at X time. I need to make their food. Um, you know, I need to, you know, take them to the doctor, all that kind of stuff. Like women are doing all of that. So if we can work, I think, I promise you were saying about, you know, there's only so much that policy regulation and legislation can do. And I certainly agree with that. That the, So the answer at this point in time is for society to come to this conclusion that we need to change those factors, those societal factors that mean that a woman is doing unpaid work um, and is spending so much more time outside of working hours doing other things in comparison to a man, right? If a woman is has to take care of a household and, you know, no one's assisting her or she's constantly having to remind people to do things in the household, how much time do you think she has to, she has to think about her career moves? Do you know what I mean? Whereas like a man is sitting there planning his next move, you know, get getting drinks with X person because they know that they've they're they're connected to this person and can help them, you know, um, in terms of like looking towards their next promotion. So it's a societal yeah. it's a societal thing now, not just legislation and policy and like um, hiring practices and things. I think we've we all know that those things um, needed to be done and they have been done to a certain extent, particularly in Australia. Now it's down to in your very own family. Does your mum have to tell you 50 times before you take the bin out? And how much, you know, mental energy is she exerting to do that kind of stuff? Do you know what I mean? So I think those kinds of things, are those kinds of conversations are the ones that we need to have now in terms of um, how do we, how do we uh, attack that problem now? Like what's the next stage? You know, yeah, that's, um, you've raised really good points. Go on, promise. Um. Oh, so yeah, what I was saying, like you, you've raised a lot of good points and I think, good points, I should say. And I think, um, you know, in terms of, you know, that, that emotional, emotional work that no one is paying the woman for, um, I, I think, I'm starting to think like in, in, in Western societies anyway, like in Australia, for example, I think w- with our generation, I have I have a good feeling that it will to reduce because I think we, we're not we're not as inclined to stick to gender roles as much as the previous generation and all our parents are sticking to it. Um, also, that being said, it also depends on this like the sort of you know relationship, the sort of um, husband or boyfriend you have at home. Because, like, you see some guys who are very proactive at just doing these things without being told. You see some guys who will literally have to be begged to be told. You see some guys who would beat their wives because they're there to tell them to do housework. I don't know if you guys, a few weeks ago, there was this case going on where this politician assaulted his wife because then they're getting the fights because she asked him to peel potatoes, something ridiculous like that. So, yeah, that really did happen. People That's mad. So you can imagine. So I think I think some of these factors really start boils down to the 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 individual, like the the couple, and um, it's just like you know, like that, that's just that disadvantage that you know all these things you listed are disadvantages that a workplace cannot and should probably not be expected to account for. Like you can imagine, you know. But then again, there are some bosses who actually do that. It's like last year. Um, Oh, two years ago, I used to get in a lot of trouble for always being late to work, right? 
And one day my team leader pulled me up and she's like, why are you always late? Why are you always late? And I thought I was being smart ass. And I turned around and I said, well, this other person is always late to work. Why is she not getting me in trouble? Why am I getting in trouble? However, this other person was a mother who had to get up, get her kids ready to get go to school and then come to work after dropping the kids off at work. And my team leader turned around to me and said, do you have kids that you have to prepare in the morning? You know? And although I was, you know, a bit of a smart, smart ass answering those questions, it, it does get to go to show that sometimes, you know, these factors, like, like I didn't think about it then, but now that you've mentioned it, like this lady's always late to work, right? And it's not as if she doesn't have a husband in the house. She does, but obviously it's her responsibility to get these kids to school. I don't know, you know, what her family situation is, but these factors does contribute. But in, situ- in, like in, that, in that case, I think it's more of, I, I think the, the onus is on, is on the family to sit down and figure out what's going to work because not every workplace will be flexible enough to allow you to come, like imagine, you know, to allow you to come in late. For instance, if you're a police officer, I don't think that would fly. If you're a doctor, I don't think that would fly. So some of the things are more difficult depending on the occupation you're in depending on the sort of relationship you're in. There's a lot of factors that contribute to this emotional work you're talking about. Um, and yeah, and like that, that, that's, that's what it is. Like it's, it's, it's very hard for, it's very difficult for, for, for me to imagine or for anyone to come up with a policy that would mitigate this, all these factors without disadvantaging other people. Like, and, and I, I think that's where, that's where we're sort of stuck on, we're trying to make it better, but if, if if making it better makes it worse for other people, that's not really making it better. That's just sort of flipping the switch, sort of thing. And I don't think that is really going to work in the long run. Look, I mean, look, let me just give you a personal example. Like, say, this is how I would imagine my household would be run. Um, like you were saying, Thomas and Aisha earlier about um, gender, like gender roles and things, that if we decide to have kids and I'm have given birth right then there would have to be some kind of arrangement between myself and my partner that I'll take an x amount of time off and then once that's done you'll take x amount of time off with to ensure that we look after the kids do you know what I mean so even I mean everything charity starts at home like my mum will always say Everything starts at home. So if we can start at that kind of cellular level or familial level of just doing things like that, because, you know, I'm sure there are many families and many um, yeah, families uh, where the woman has taken time off, but there's been no discussion about whether the man has to do that as well, if that's open to him to take some time off to look after the kids. Do you know what I mean? Like it's just you know, um, automatically assumed that the woman will take the time off to look after the kids. And, you know, there's no conversation about whether, you know, your husband or partner has to, you know, uh, balance it out between the both of you that you've taken time off, so I will too. So I would hope that in, like Pomer said, in our future, in our generation, that those kinds of discussions start to take place and that because, you know, if, if one family or a few families has that kind of mentality, then that kind of mentality will flow into the workplace. Do you know what I mean? And it's those people that will get into positions where people are making um, decisions about who they're going to hire. Yep. And then we won't have, dis- there won't be conversations about, oh, well, she's a woman, so she might have kids, um, you know, later down the line. It would be, oh, she's just the best person for the job. 
And if she does have kids, then we'll support her with that. Do you know what I mean? I mean, there's stories of like women who have to um, who have to take their engagement ring off. Do you know what I mean? Before they go into, or they just prefer to take their engagement yeah. ring off because they don't want to give the perception that I'm married and thus the next step for me is to have a, a child or children. Um, so I think as the next generation continues to develop um, in terms of the way we think um, and the way we act in relation to these issues or issues like gender and that's not actually gender inequality. There's difference. I've read about that. But the gender pay gap, um, that will start to see a change. But it is still going to take a long time. I was just reading something that said the, the World Economic Forum, or one of the acronyms, said it's going to take 200 years until the global gender pay gap, gap closes. That's ridiculous. Ridiculous. But we can do it. I believe in us. I'll be dead by then, but, you know, I'll be <laughs> Yeah, no, thanks a lot for that, guys. Um, we have, however, touched on, you know, the family side of things and how, you know, childbirth and all of that and, you know, the roles women are expected to play in a fin- family dynamic sort, sort of like, you know, affects the gender pay gap. But what other factors besides the family side of things do we think, you know, plays a part in that gender pay gap? You should go, Aisha. Sorry. I said it actually was drinking water. <laughs> Mother. <laughs> it's all right. Um oh, I had something just now too. Hold on, <laughs> come back to me. Come back to me. <laughs> Anyone else? Because if we look at um situations like, for example, um, regardless of like, you know, how many kids you have or if you're taking time off, there are certain roles or like, you know, surgeons, neurosurgeons, men make significant like significantly more than their female, you know, colleagues. And it's like Obviously, again, family dynamics and all of that might play a part into it. Gender role mm-hmm. might play a part into it, but surely there's you know other factors that do play a part into that. So I think we touched on one earlier in terms of women um, being uh, a little more apprehensive before they apply for things. There's a statistic. Um, hold on, I think I've got it somewhere that because I don't want to misquote people that. Um, Men apply for a job when they meet only 60% of the qualifications, but women apply only if they meet 100% of them. And this finding comes from a Hewlett-Packard internal report. Anyway, so um, from a Harvard Business Review article, I pulled that statistic off, but women are are more apprehensive when it comes to looking at a list of criteria to meet. And if they don't meet, you know, 100%, they're like, well, that's it. I'm not, you know. And, and the reason for that is not a lack of confidence. I actually read into that into that article. It's not a lack of confidence in terms of their abilities. It's that women are apparently more sensitive to um, wasting HR's time, that they don't want to get to the interview and waste their time and appear um, or basically just waste their resources, um, which is one of the reasons. And then another thing that I was going to mention is something that I have forgot. So come back to me. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, it was really good too. Promise. <laughs> um, like a while ago, when I was watching this um, analyst sort of, sort of, uh, what is it called? 
analyze this anyway that's what analysts do they analyze things he, he, the, the, there was a lot of talk about you know career choices in terms of you know males and females make, make. and if you remember last time when we were talking about last last podcast when we talked about gender roles gender bias in society you know shaping these things like for instance like you know we've already established that um you know the healthcare industry and the social service, all these industries are female dominated. We've also we've also established that um these are the roles that are significantly less paid compared to other to other uh, occupations. And the reality today and, and like you know when Esther said it's gonna take two hundred years to bridge the gap. If you go into universities today, you still find that um females are significantly you know like uh, um, uh, you still find that there are more, there are way more females in these roles like healthcare, you know, social work, social services compared to the men. You still see the men more in the IT slash engineering roles. I think career choices generally does play a role because at the end of the day, these roles that are that have been chosen by females are the ones that are paid less. So I think you can then turn around and tell on the other side you can turn turn around and say, Oh, you're a woman. If you want to get equal pay, go do something that you may not enjoy. I think I think the the, 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 the problems over here will be for for decision makers to recognize the importance of these roles and perhaps increase, you know, the benefits associated with working for these um, employers, for these organizations. Um apart from career choices, um there's also life choices. Uh statistically for some reason one reason or the other there's they have like I, I couldn't find a significant explanation for this but what I, my understanding is that in terms of you know working an extra load doing overtime and you know picking up the extra shifts for one reason or the other males do tend to do this more that's my, that's what I got from ABS as well um, by ABS I mean just remember statistics um but that's because that's because they have the time and the luxury to do that. Yeah. I think. They don't yeah, like I'm, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not trying to say. I'm not trying no, to no, say. No, no, no. I'm just. I'm adding to yeah. your point that it's because they have the t- like. Even if they have kids at home, like they know that that the agreement in their that the wife is going to look after the kids. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, like here. Yeah. So, so there, there, there's all this. There's all, there are all these factors, and I, but I think the, the the biggest one is that the roles fit by. You know the, the the roles selected by females are not paid as well as the roles that are generally preferred by males. Also, I think on that issue here, in closing the, the gender gap, I think more work needs to be done in how in, in terms of how the statistics are gathered. Like you can't because the, you know it's very easy to, to to look at the statistics and just think, oh, it, it's a sexism sexism issue, but you can't you know allow statisticians to sit there and do like you know a half ass job and compare a male doctor to a female cleaner and then say you know males are any more than females like it, like I, I think that like a bigger population sample needs to be co- collected and also they need to be able to, to differentiate and specify like with every statistic there's, there's, there's going to be more explanation for it because you know I know one of the things we're going to get to eventually is you know what role feminism is played in this but the message that's constantly being fed out to young females is that because you're a woman you're going to get paid less and they don't really cover all these other other aspects of of, of why potentially these, these 
there is this gap. So I think the government or whoever is in charge of making sure that everyone is treated equally and paid equally just has to find a way to insert as much funds and, and money into these into services that are female dominated. I think that would that would bridge the gap significantly. And the way the data is presented needs to be like a better job needs to be done by the people gathering the data because it's it's very very generalized and a lot of aspects doesn't like is, is not accounted for when when this data is being collected. I just want to say something to your point about um, women being more inclined to enter into certain industries uh, and that being a factor. I think that there's certainly a lot of truth to that. But I also think we've seen in the past couple of decades that in those traditionally male-dominated industries, a lot of women, there is just statistically an increase in a lot of women actually showing interest in those areas. Um, for instance, um, my, my field is law, right? And statistically, there are more women who enter a law degree than there are men right now. Um, however, by the time women graduate and get into position, like jobs as lawyers, um, the statistic actually dropped. There's more men than there are women. And that's because of several, you know, like, again, lifestyle factors. Some women choose to have men. Uh, <laughs> kids who could end up being men. <laughs> Some women choose to have kids and that means that they can't continue down the path or they've entered it, yeah, into the industry and decided that they just don't like it. And statistically, um, yeah, there's, there end up being more uh, more men than there are women in, in, in certain fields. But I think one way we can counteract that, um, because there are other fields um, where we still need to do a lot more work in terms of promoting it to women. And that starts right at the very, at the, ed, like, at primary education. Do you know what I mean? Like as soon as kids hit school, um, making sure that we're paying as much attention to to girls as much as boys in terms of teaching them science, technology, um, you know, maths and things like that. And let me give you an example of myself. myself. I went to an all-girls school, so I didn't really have that issue in terms of like um uh, boys being treated a certain way in, uh, uh, in, in comparison to girls. Like we were just all taught the same thing. Um, but I hated mathematics, like really, really hated it up until like year nine um, when I had a teacher who, like it was clearly her passion to teach math and that passion really helped me in terms of how I um, related to that subject. I ended up dropping it in year 10 anyway, so I didn't do it for my HSC. Thank God the government didn't make it mandatory. But um, I think in, in the, the styles of teaching, the way we teach certain sub, certain subjects to our kids, um, the way that we talk to them about certain subjects, you know, there's lots of ads that have been made by various companies. I think I saw a, it might have been like a Nike ad or something, um, where it was showing like a girl who was told throughout her lifetime, you know, don't don't use the drill, you know, let your brother do that. You know, don't sit like that, like only boys sit like that or, um, you know, don't be interested in, in the solar system. You should be playing with Barbies or whatever. So things that we say to our kids are really important um, and and uh, really play a role in terms of how they see where they fit into society. Do you know what I mean? If, if girls only think that they can play with, you know, cooking, the you know those little mini kitchens that they get kids? 
the plastic like pans and oven and things like that, if girls only think that that's, that's the only acceptable thing for them to play with and they don't get to play with trucks and stuff like that, then, you know, maybe they're going to grow up, you know, subconsciously thinking this is the kind of um, kind of lifestyle or the kind of role that where I fit in. Do you know what I mean? Or if they go up seeing certain things and those are the things that they're going to emulate when they go to decide things like university courses. Um, so it really comes, again, like I was saying before, it comes down to how we operate as a society, both on a like uh, molecular level and, you know, um, on a wider, wider kind of uh, stage. The thing that I forgot to say before as to um, another reason why um, the gender pay gap might exist or why even in like the health um, industry, particularly like medicine and things like that, men, even though there are men and women, men still get paid a lot more than women do, even though they're working the exact same role. I think that um, I was I was talking to a friend in the US when I was overseas last year and she said, we were talking about like differences in terms of how uh, workplaces operate um, in terms of Australia versus the US. And in the US, there's a big stigma about talking about how much you get paid. Like even, I think it's like even company policy that you can't discuss how much you get paid with another co-worker. Um, and I think policies like that are very problematic. I'm sure that companies and organisations have reasons for that. But I think if we legislate or if we put policies against uh, conversations happening around how much you get paid in comparison to me, then there's no way that we can actually tackle, um, you know, the discrepancies within certain industries. Do you know what I mean? So um, I know that in Australia where, or maybe just in, in like the legal industry or the places that I have worked, um, people have been a lot more open to, you know, if it come, I mean, don't obviously force the conversation. But if it comes up in conversation that, oh, you know, I get paid X, you know, people are, are more than willing to say, oh, I actually get paid X. Um, and if there's a discrepancy, then, you know, you know that you should probably push more for um, for a pay rise because I think one of the solutions that many people always talk about is, well, women should just push for a better pay rise when they, they're like review or proposal, um, review period comes up. Um, so being open in, in industries, um, like we, like the example we've used is the medical industry to talking about pay and how much you get paid as a man compared to how much I get paid as a woman. And I also think like this goes back to our topic on, sorry, I'm, I'm taking a, a, a big portion of our time. Oh, no, keep going. It goes on, talks about, goes back to the topic that we talked about on privilege, not necessarily white privilege or whatever, but privilege as a man. If you know that there is an issue in your particular industry, say you're a doctor and you know that in the medical industry women are paid less than you despite the fact that they're doing the exact same work, then you should take it upon yourself to have those conversations with the women around you. Hey, you know, this might be a little bit random, but I just want to let you know that if you ever need to talk to me about, you know, the pay issues, that uh, pay, um, uh, pay, you know, scale here, that I'm more than open to doing that. Um, you know, if if you're a woman and you know that a certain other woman is struggling with whether or not she should speak up about the fact that she's realised she's not getting paid as much, then put your hand up or walk up to her and say, you know, I've been down that path. I can assist you as well because it's a tricky it's a tricky area to navigate, and you don't want to be that person that puts a hand up and says, you know, hey, I've noticed that 
Joe Blow down the road or, you know, next door to my office gets paid a lot more than me. How come I'm not getting paid? And, you know, you don't want to be the one that cries, oh, gender inequality, you know, because maybe there are other issues, other, you know, um, other factors that mean you haven't, you haven't uh, been offered the same amount of remuneration. But helping other people navigate that those conversations is really important and, and realising privilege and experience and how helpful that is for other people. I think is is another point to to raise. You know, that's a very um, important um, conversation. That's a very important point that you just raised because, um, again, that, I, I think that's something we can also sort of like liken to again the fact that the ACT has such a low, you know, gap because there is that, um, I guess, transparency when it comes to pay, especially like you know, with the ACT having a lot of government jobs. If you're going into one of those positions, you know, if I'm applying at this band, this is how much the base salary is. This is how much I'm going into. Now you can be anywhere on that broadband. But again, that's something that's very achievable for most people that are working there because you know, oh, hey, even if I started here, I can apply for this. If I'm, you know, if I meet all my KPIs, my salary is going to move up to the next broadband and stuff like that. So it's something like, you know, you don't, need, you don't even necessarily need to have that conversation with anyone. You can just look it up in Google. Whereas like, you know, with other jobs and especially in like the private industry and stuff like that, it's a lot more closed off. And when, again, like you said, companies are having those cyber policies or like, you know, just the whole tiptoeing around the pay conversation, you would never, like, it's very hard to then police that or like understand who's making more money, why are they making more money and et cetera, et cetera. Because then the people at the top can do literally whatever they want in terms of hiring, in terms of pay. Anyone can get paid anything and you will never really know. Like those statistics that Promise was talking about, you will never really actually get accurate statistics for that. So yeah, that is definitely really important. Thank you, Esther, for, saying, for that point. Um, Aisha, did you remember what you were trying to say before? Uh, yeah, although Promise and Esther did, really, did a really, really good job of summing it all up. But I mean, also, yeah, it's, we got to make a big change within society and also just how we kind of value the jobs that exist. I mean, like government having properly po proper policies in place to make sure that this doesn't actually happen. Whereas in other industries, you can still see a huge discrimination between how much women and men uh, oh, earn. Um, so yeah just actually seeing the value in all these other jobs and i think it's unfortunate that it's taken a pandemic for um for a light to actually be shown and how much value healthcare workers actually are and yeah all of that <laughs> oh that is true that is true um but um the final point I guess I wanted to raise again in terms of, you know, just bridging the gap, you know, bridging the gender pay gap is how much of an impact do we think that, you know, modern day feminism has on this overall thing? Because again, the gender pay gap, that's one of the things that, you know, feminism is fighting for, like trying to, you know, equality in that area. That's one of the areas. So how much of an impact do we think that they are having? Like, you know, are they having a positive impact or is it not helping at all? I would say they're, they're, it's definitely making an impact. I mean, just based off the statistics that I've come across, there have been a decrease um, in each industry, not necessarily a major one, but it is decreasing at the same time. And that's obviously largely due to people out there who are fighting 
for that equality? Mm. Well, I think a significant impact, a significant mm. impact. Um, you know, we have whole groups and organisations dedicated towards educating people on this issue and that's as a direct result of feminists and um, people working towards um, highlighting the inequalities in, in terms of the gender pay gap. So I think yep. we, we owe a lot, um, even like a lot of the, the research and statistics, while there is a lot of issues in terms of how it's represented and how it's presented, um, the, the very fact that we have statistics in that area or that someone thought, hey, we should probably do some research to figure out what's going on here um, is stuff that we do owe to to many women, men and women who are fighting in the feminist movement. Promise? Um, yeah, I think, uh, you know, like the, what Asha and Esther said, like it's had, like modern day feminism has had an impact. Um, but I, I think an impact can either be positive or negative. I think um, generally the the, you know, Feminism as a whole, and like I always say, there is no social justice movement that doesn't have an extreme side of it. Like most of these movements are started with a very positive idea, with a positive goal, with a positive outcome, and then everyone, like some people, you know, get into it and turn it into a whole another thing. You know, it's um, and 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 the problem now is like feminism. Feminism has gone from. Feminism have gone from something that was so, you know, positive, so important, so, so, like, you know, it's almost, it's almost a, a thing of pride. For, you know, like, if you, if you look at, look at it historically, it was almost a, a thing of pride for people in general, both males and females, to identify as feminists. But now you have some women saying, I'm not a feminist. You know, even though the definition of, by, by definition, everyone should be a feminist, right? Um, uh, and, and and in terms of modern feminism and, and how it's impacted the arguments surrounding gender pay gap, I think it's probably done more harm than good, in the sense that, like, in the sense that the, the message that's been delivered again and again and again and again is that the reason there's been gender pay gap is just the fact that one person is male, the other person is female. And this is really, it's causing a lot of stress for a lot of young women. Like it, it's causing a lot of, you know, uncertainties regarding career goals, career aspirations, and things like that. Because you have people who have a lot of following telling you that because you're a woman, you're not going to earn as much money as a man without trying to even break it down. I hope you understand why that may be the case you see and it's just it's, it's very it's very disheartening and and you 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 look at like you know you just, you just literally just go on going to youtube and such you know gender pay gap arguments the amount of females who are out there just saying all oh, this is happening because i'm a woman oh this is like you know like you know every woman in australia earns 70 cents per dollar that a man earns and it's, that's not the case. That's that's that is not. That's not. Can the I case. just interject? Can I just interject there? And um, yep. talking about like what you just said now about you know the whole argument that these people do put on it and the image that they are portraying based on that. Yes, I do agree with you. But just to play devil's advocate here, mm -hmm. in terms of you know, just in terms of like again 
that whole thing of, hey, you know, young girls thinking that, hey, because I'm a woman, if I get into, you know, this, I'm still going to make less than a man, even though there are other factors surrounding it. We've just had like, you know, a conversation about all these different factors surrounding it. And a lot of it still boils down to the fact that, yes, there are other factors, but those factors mean that being a woman, you're still going to earn less. So even though like the way they do portray that message sounds a bit extreme and da 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 wouldn't you say that the bottom line still ends up there as a woman? Like the bottom line, the message that they're portraying is still correct. Like as a woman, you're still going to end oh, less, oh, the, regardless the, of all the factors. The, the message, the message has a, an element of truth to it in the fact that basically, statistically, you will one way or the other end less. However, if they put in as much effort into explaining that actually because of these factors and that factor, this could happen. There are a lot of women that I—I I wouldn't say a lot, but there are some women that are, some women that I know that 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 are basically in that trend of work where they're they're basically working and not like that they've made decisions okay because you know I want my career to progress. I'm not ready to do this. I'm not ready to do that. So I'm going to stop have like having thoughts regarding having a family and actually just work the, and. In cases like that, you won't see a situation where, like, as, again, in the context of in the context of Australia, like, I would like to see a situation where two people are employed, and because one of them is a woman, they're employed under the same, the same, the same level, the same contract, the same job description, and because one is a woman, she's been told you earn less money. And that's the message that. Is being pre- um, presented to these young to, to, to young women all around all around the world that because you're you're female, this person is going to make more money than you. That's not the case. That like being female is not the problem. The problem is the choices that comes that that you might have to make because you're a woman. But that's what I'm saying. But at the end of the day, at the bottom line, it's still because they're women. Because as a man, that's not something that we. That's not a choice that we make. That's not something that affects yeah. us. So regardless mm-hmm. of all of that. The fact that only women can experience that means that at the end of the day, it is still because you're a woman. Yeah, but there again, but then how do you account for the men who make the decision to go into jobs like in healthcare? How do you account for the men who who take paternity leave and things like that? How do you, you know, like what I'm saying is like it's it's not a bad message. It's not it's not, it's not a bad thing to do. But I think sending out the message that like the, the way the message is. Trade to the to young girls of in our generation anyway is more detrimental than it is positive in it in the, in the sense that if a girl is say a girl in your nine your ten and you're already telling her before she gets to uni before she even decides what she wants to do that because she's a woman regardless of what she does she's not going to make as much money as a man I don't think that's helpful. Yeah, no, look, I 100% agree with you. Like, I get what you're saying. I was just like throwing out that scenario there because again, like you just said, in terms of the way that message is portrayed, if you like to me, um, my understanding of that message and the way they portray it is basically like, you know, putting in those girls' heads that nothing can be done to, you know, change Mm -hmm. that. Whereas there's like, again, like we said, even though it's hard and it's something that is going to take time, there are steps that can be taken to change that. So again, the way the message is, you know, portrayed that is very important but yeah just you know just throwing out a different scenario and uh, of, of course of course that's true like you know sometimes like and, and, and i think again it's just like 
any way you look at it, it's just it's generally is unfair to women because you know you, you see these people giving out or like giving these messages that oh like you know you'll never be as successful as a man, you never make as much money because society is sexist and based on your gender, you're 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 you're, you're screwed before you even try. And they start using examples of, of like they start using like you know pay packaging pay packaging in sports to give that example, like oh look at this male footballers and a lot more than female footballers and. This and that, and you go. Yeah, see, there was a reason I didn't bring up that particular stuff because <laughs> yeah. that's, that's one. That, yeah. That's one that always annoys me. Because again, talking about the gender pay gap, there are certain things that make sense and things that don't make sense. For example, if we're bringing sports into it and things like that, that's one where it's like again, you got to think about where's the money coming from. Mm. Like there are certain yeah. arguments that just don't make sense, and certain things that you can't equate to like the overall gender pay gap. Because I remember, like, I think this morning actually, I was reading something about how um, in the UK some billionaire was talking about how uh, no it wasn't a billionaire but some guy was talking about how footballers need to take a 30 percent pay cut and so like the nhs can get paid more and all of that, 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 that because they deserve it more than people who are just you know kicking a football around but it's like the nhs gets paid by the government these footballers get paid by money that they generate like they're packing out stadiums selling jerseys selling all this they get their money is coming from completely different places like how the hell, how, how are you putting those on the exact same pedestal and trying to compare them? And then again, the thing you just talked about, about, you know, female footballers and um, male footballers, or like just sports in general. It's again, who, where's the money coming from? Who is paying you? How much money are you generating to get paid a certain amount of money? It's like, there are certain things where it's just like, you know, you can't really compare them because it's just not fair. Yeah. Like, and that's what I mean. But like, you know, you, like, you know, you're, you're, you're a guy in your mid twenties. Like take the, take this to a fifteen year old high school girl. She's not gonna think like you. So that's that negative. Like that's what I'm saying. It has, it has more of a negative impact. I would I would on, like to interject there. Um, I don't think that's that's a blanket statement that doesn't necessarily apply to all fifteen year old girls. I mean, when I was yeah. fifteen, I read everything under the sun in relation to every issue that um, perturbed me. So I don't. Yeah. I think um, I think you're right. Um, promise in in saying that you know think of it like if you're trying to um, you're trying to summarize a journal article not every single point or statistic or um, you know argument that's made will make it into that summary right so I think what's happened is that in trying to boil this message down to you know a slogan or a phrase or one statistic um, people have forgotten the very importance of just reading by themselves on issues. Yep. I think it's a very inter- important life skill that when you see a blanket statement being made or, um, you know, even just a random social media post that is inflammatory or is um, provocative, excuse me, sorry, for some, some reason my nose, it's not corona. <laughs> <laughs> Stay in your house, I won't have a problem. <laughs> that if you see like a blanket statement being made that you you do your own research, right? And I think... I, I would hope that we're sending our kids to schools or teaching our, our kids in a way that um, that makes it quite quite plain to them that you need to read on your own and you need to read by yourself. So, I mean, quite to be quite quite blunt, people who take things at face value and take random statistics at face value without doing their own reading and their own research behind the scenes, um, you know, really shouldn't be speaking on issues like like that and be making such blanket statements or basing their arguments on, you know, really poor foundation. Um, I think it, it is the argument to counter that point. Um, 
because people will take something that is provocative or inflammatory and just run with it without understanding the yep. the, the 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 roots um, that have that have brought forth that you know one statement or that one statistic. Like I just chucked out the two hundred year statistic um, uh, out there, but there's a lot of research that has gone into that that someone would, that I I'm going to say I've read. <laughs> 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 Do you know what I mean? So um, that's just a, I think, just a life tool as human beings that we need to 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 inc- to push a little more or more hard, um, more harder rather, um, because people tend to just take blanket statements and run with them, and I think it's just it's not very smart thing to do, and that leads to instances like this where people are just you know saying, oh, the only reason we have the gender pay gap. Well, the, the own feminists are saying that the only reason we have the gender pay gap is simply because of the differences in gender, when really that's not the case if you do your research properly. Yeah, I think the problem with that as well is that we live in such a headline generation. Like mm-hmm. everybody just looks at the headline and runs with that. And this is, this is actually a conversation I had with someone on Friday, you know, with this whole headline thing. And it's basically, again, do, don't you feel like at the same time, yeah, the people who come out with these messages and these you know, one-liners that are, at the the end of the day, like, to the majority, leaves them misinformed. Don't you feel like they have that, like, responsibility to try to at least, you know, put out accurate information and just put out the truth rather than, like, you know, whatever is going to play on someone's emotion? Yeah. Yeah, and and that's that's, that's the point I was making. Like, you know, like, a person who said 15-year-old girl, I should have just said 15-year-olds in general. Like, at age of 15, like, it like it, I think to be unfair to expect that a 15-year-old would sit back and research everything you tell them before they decide whether or not to believe you, especially when they see you as someone who's more knowledgeable or someone who's an authority figure. And that's the, that's the problem. You have teachers, you know, at school preaching this. You know, you, 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 know, you, you, you look at, you know, for instance, you, you look at the, um, like, Obviously, this is not a gender issue. It's a general social justice. Like when the climate change rallies were very we big then in Melbourne and Sydney and around the world, like the amount of times you just saw teachers telling kids that, you know, if they don't do things, you know, the, climate, the, the world's going to end in, in, in 10 years or, or whatever figure they were giving them. And it, that's just under example. Like climate change is very important. It's very important to do what we need to do. But telling a bunch of kids in primary school that their world's coming to an end because of this because of things they can't comprehend is not helpful and that's just that's just that's just um that's just like what i was trying to say when i met you know specifically said 15 year old girl it's just like you know it, it's easy for me to to get information and go actually hang on let me figure this out but when i was in year nine it was very likely that i would just believe what my teacher told me what i'm me going home and i'm trying to you know investigate it or research it and and that's the problem i think society is having that they are you know feminists or so-called feminists who, know, who are who hold significant positions who are going around preaching this message that to, to young girls to, 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 to students who don't know any better that because you're a woman you're screwed in terms of working and getting paid and that that should not be the case and that's why i think i, I think um the way the message is being portrayed is just a lot more detri- detrimental in the long run than than it being positive. Because you're going to have a lot of young girls who literally count themselves out, who give themselves no chance before they even get into the workforce. 
And I just don't see how that's helpful, you know. And yeah, it's just, it's just, it's just something like that. You know? Yeah, I guess that okay. goes back to F. Esther's points that she made before, you know, with the whole math thing and how just basically how, you know, we teach the kids and how these teachers teach and basically yeah, just the way they pass that message. Aisha, you were going to say something. Yeah, I was, I was just going to say, like, I guess back to your examples, climate change. I think there also needs to be a very clear distinction between just being a gloomy person and actually being a realist. I mean, like, specifically with climate change i guess if you if we don't do something in the next coming years things bad things are going to happen and i think it is real it, it it is a good thing to be telling kids this because i don't think there is enough time so same thing with like being a woman and how hard it is in a work field it's important to have that discussion but also in a way that doesn't make it seem as if nothing's going to ever change but a realistic i don't think sugarcoating it is going to help either yep i i just to um, respond to your earlier question or well i think there definitely is a responsibility on um on groups who are working towards bridging the gender pay gap to ensure that they do make as much information as available uh, uh, as possible um oh that was a I mix my words up, but you know what I mean. They make as much information available as possible. <laughs> yeah, um, just accurate information. Yeah, accurate information. Um, but the onus still rests. Like, if you just like, I've got the WGEA, uh, WEGA, yep. sorry, WGEA um, website open on on my computer. But as much as all that information is on there, and they're using infographics and stuff. The onus still rests on us as just decent human beings to educate ourselves on those matters. Do you know what I mean? Um, yeah, 100%. Yeah, and in order to grab your attention, they will have to use headlines because we all have attention spans of 30 seconds these days. I mean, I couldn't, I can't remember a thought that I had two, two minutes ago, as it has been demonstrated several times during this podcast. But um, they're trying to grab your attention and then, so it's, it's almost like a, there's a relationship there, yeah? I'm, I'm tugging at your heartstrings. No, I need to reel you in and you need to follow through and work with me here to educate yourself. I think there's a, there's a fine balance, but definitely I agree with you that there is some kind of yeah. responsibility that has to be um, taken by groups who are trying to work in this area to make sure that they are passing across accurate information and yeah. in the full picture. Yeah, exactly. And that's I think that's the word, the balance. Like, again, headlines they're important to get people in but at the same time if you're passing on you know the wrong information in your headline just so some with the hopes that someone's going to go in there and read more because again if i if i saw a headline then i went and read more but the information that i'm reading is completely different to your headline it's again that's already confusion so it's one of those things where accurate information but at the same time again people still have the responsibility to to go there and look for those information problem with that is again like i said before we live in a headline generation people just take whatever they see run with it and spread it um but yeah moving on from that um yeah that's basically all i wanted to talk about today um we have we've touched on quite a few points touched on you know why we think it exists you know the pay gap all of that and yeah just are there any like you know final thoughts like in terms of just 
how will we how how, how we think this is all going to play out in terms of the gender pay gap like what do we foresee how long like Esther, you mentioned 200 years before do we actually believe it's going to take 200 years that statistic actually like i'm mind boggled i'm like how do they come up with that and why is it so many like what are what are the number again that that's me needing to go do the research but it's I cannot. I find it unbelievable that that's the length of time it's going to take. So I don't really know. Look, as a woman, <laughs> as a woman, <laughs> <laughs> I didn't mean it to sound like that. But I think it's like, um, look at the things that are within your control, right? So um, we talked about things like your relationships. If it's really important for you, because look, for some women, they just they they genuinely would not mind staying at home with their kids. I know for one, you know, I, I certainly want kids, but I also really want to have a successful career because I believe that I as an individual am important and I am not my kids and my kids are not me. Do you know what I mean? We're different people. Um, I mean, yeah. my future kids, I don't have kids right now, but um, <laughs> look at the things that are within your control, right? If, if it's about your choice in partner, then choosing a partner where you know that um, – the gender roles will be balanced. You know what I mean? Or sorry, the responsibilities in your family will be balanced. That like if, if it means, you know, I'll take X amount of months off and then you take X amount of months off when we have kids, that way we're balanced in our family unit in terms of the amount of time that we have to take away from work, then do things like that. Like I said before, if you're a man and you work in a um, in a male-dominated industry or in an industry where you know that um, that women are being paid less, then take that onus to say, I'm going to assist every woman I come into contact with who might potentially want someone to talk to about this issue and some someone to give them moral support if they need to have a conversation with their employer or with your employer about why I'm getting paid more than this woman or why this woman is getting paid less than I am as a as a as a man. So things like that are, are really important. And I think also just as a woman, like don't Again, like Aisha was talking about all doom and gloom, it's, it's a very serious issue, but don't let those statistics kind of like detract you from any of your ambitions and, you know, any goals. If you want to be a CEO of like um, a, a Fortune Top 100, uh, Fortune 100 company, then do that. Do you know what I mean? Don't go in, into interviews or look at applications thinking, well, you know, they're not going to hire me because I'm a woman. Like if you're qualified, if you're 60% qualified, you know, as a men, apparently think you then apply for that position do you know what I mean so don't don't um let that I guess detract from your own personal ambitions and what you want to accomplish and like we said but like I said before if you want to work at home you know after you have kids or you want to stay at home after you have kids then that's also fine as well do you know what I mean that's what I've got to say yeah definitely that's nice I think for me for me um my my biggest I have to, I have two things. Um, first things first, like the media, like if if you if you're opportunate enough to talk to younger people, and you know if you if you want to be someone who's who's providing knowledge to people, make sure that you tell them everything. Don't go there and give them rough statistics and gaslight them and make them freak out over nothing. I think I think that's very important. I think I think we we're doing more damage to to our kids if we if we if we tell them to write themselves off before they try. 
I think I think that's very that's very problematic. Um, apart from that, also as individuals, as a person, please learn to take responsibility for yourself for your own learning. And if you get told something that doesn't sit right with you, before you get mad, before you start feeling like a victim, before you start playing the race card or the gender card or whatever card you feel like you can play, make sure you have your facts correct. Check to, because there's nothing that as as someone like, you know, there's nothing that I've noticed that employers hate more than someone who just wants to feel sorry for themselves or who wants to be made to feel sorry for. Nobody wants that. So if you're going to, you know, shout sexism or whatever you want to shout, make sure you have valid reasons to shout that because you don't want to be the person who, you know, complains a lot and then we actually have something to complain for, no one's there to listen to you. Um, it's also very important in terms of career choices, like take responsibility for your own career. If you want to be, like Esther said, if whatever you want to do, do it. Don't stop yourself from doing something and then turn around and say, oh, like, you know, I'm a woman anyway, it's not going to go anywhere. Like, there's nothing worse than not trying. That's the only time you actually fail is when you don't try. Um, you you know, like I remember back in 2014, like I was at uni at that point, so I think second or third year of uni, actually. Um, and there was this girl I was having a chat to, and I asked her what she was doing. She said, oh, she's studying building and construction. I was very surprised. I was shocked. But at the same time, you know, I didn't turn around and go, oh, you're a woman. Like, why are you doing that? And I, and I told her, I did tell her I was surprised. And she turned around and she was like, yeah, I know a lot of people are surprised, but I'll punch anybody in the face who tells me not to do anything because I'm a woman. And at that point, I was like, and I was like, good for you. Like, right now, she's, you know, she's done. She's working where she wants to work. And probably she almost certainly faced many more questions like the one I asked that she's probably faced challenges on her way to get there. But the fact is when she was 18, 19, when she was in her first year of uni, she's decided this is what I want to do and no one can tell me I can't do it because I'm a woman. I'm sure she's probably seen a thousand articles telling her as a woman in construction, you're not going to go anywhere. But this girl is on a weekly basis posting herself on Snapchat and Instagram, working in different big, big work sites. And, you know, that's, you know, that, that person would be a lot more employable than someone who would sit there and go, I'm not even going to bother studying this because this person told me in high school that if you're a woman, you're not going to get paid as much as men. So self-responsibility will get a lot of people a long way than, you know, trying to sort of make a pity party or make, or make excuses for themselves without trying I agree. Yeah, that's a very good point. I just wanted to also add, like, this was something that I saw when I was doing my research as well. But, like, going back to that whole thing about construction and that, funnily enough, in those industries, women are actually paid more than men are. Anyways, Aisha. <laughs> that's great. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, like, you wouldn't you you expect that to be the case. But, I mean, because at the end of the society has told us that if a job is manual handling and things, it's all for men. But there you go. Women are getting paid. So please don't stop yourself before you try. Yeah. Um, they both perfectly summed it up once again. <laughs> um, just, yeah. Know what you're up against. Stay informed, but like, don't let that stop you from doing what you want to do. I mean, if you're in a position to be an ally in this whole situation, especially if you're a man, Definitely 
do something if you can. Um, whether it be having these discussions with your female counterparts or informing other men, like by all means do it. Um, and I think as a society, we really do need to start seeing that every job is of value and no, no job is more superior than the other. I think, yeah. Yeah. That's I mean, it. at the moment, some of us are essential, so. <laughs> what was it that? might be essential, but I'm still working every single day, so uh, what difference does it make? I mean, also, like, if you don't have people like Allwell, who's in cybersecurity, protecting, you know, your IT stuff, then that falls apart. <laughs> exactly. Then I'm kind of essential apart, to you, smells my... We're all essential, man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, no, I'm just... You're in, spe- you're in special here. <laughs> You're in special here, sorry. <laughs> Look, I think we, I think I think some of us need to get a badge that says essential. Esther's essential as well. She has to go to court because if the court's closed, we're fucked. It's, it's yeah. like, it's actually, it literally will be a scene from what's that movie? The Purge. That's it. Yeah. Can you imagine if the court's closed down. <laughs> speaking, speaking, of the court, speaking of the courts closing down, there was this lady in America on Twitter. Literally, obviously, again, she's another self-proclaimed social justice warrior. Oh and she basically came up and she was obviously going on about, you know, what the government should do because of the coronavirus. She stormed around and she's like, one of her points was like, oh, this is a good time to, you know, if you want to stop the spread, release release everyone from prison. And I'm just sitting like, yo, like, releasing rapists and murderers during because the of time coronavirus. like this is probably not a good idea. <laughs> I mean, fix the justice system, fix the, 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 yeah, <laughs> the jail system. That's right. But yeah, she was saying a lot of crazy things, but that was the one that stuck out for me. I'm like, I don't think it's a good thing that when everyone's in lockdown and isolation, you're going to jail and freeing <laughs> people who, was, who are there for killing people. Yeah, serial, uh, serial killers. Yeah, but anyway, that, was, that one, that one really shoot me. Like, yo. Please. Yeah, but not anyways. Thank you guys for joining me on today's episode of Social Distancing from Bias Reality. Anyways, um, you guys have been on here before, but you know, where can the people find you? I'll start with you, Aisha. Uh, you can find me on Instagram, Aisha Satipa, A-I-S-H-A-S-E-T-I-P-A. And if you wanna read some stories by members of the black community. Follow Stories by BLCK on Facebook and Instagram. It's really good. Esther's story. <laughs> yeah, Esther's story and no, others. I, 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 I story. <laughs> the rest are really good. Yeah, and other upcoming ones, once I've gotten my shit together, <laughs> will be up to... Sorry, all well. <laughs> <laughs> right, Esther, where can we find you? Uh, you can find me on Instagram and Twitter. I'm reckless on Twitter, so you should follow me there. And the handle is a underscore. It means that I just post things that I normally wouldn't post on Instagram. <laughs> just recklessly. Yeah, Twitter is like a safe, safe space, isn't it's it? It's really good. It's really good. Um, like, not enough people are there to get in trouble. Yeah. Uh, if, if They don't regulate that stuff. That's why. They don't. They don't care. They really don't. It's, I love I just followed you on Twitter. Um, you're just oh, more brilliant you. people. If you're interested in buying some things after we've let out of it, isolation, um, hopefully towards the end of the year, I will have launched uh, a, a business which is basically selling um, luxuriously 
luxuriously sustainable intimates to women, um, which caters for all women of all skin tones. So look us up at Shady by EA. That's S-H-A-D-I-E-B-Y-E-A on Instagram. Thank you. She about to take fancy out of business. Yeah, I think you have a lot of you have a lot of business because a lot of the amount of people who are waiting to unleash when this thing. You know, I was thinking about starting a YouTube channel because I really want to document my journey essentially. So like how, how you do something, set something like this up. But essentially between now. Oh, my God. Oh, we should I, have a brainstorm session. Have session. We should have yes, a brainstorm session. Oh, my God. Let's okay. just go for it. Um, Watch this, out, world. I'll message you. All right. We'll talk during the week. Yes. But essentially right. between now and like December, I need to save like 20 grand or something like that. I don't know how that's going to happen, but whatever. No, you can do it. Don't worry. <laughs> Well, at least you're staying at home, so you don't need to Yay. make other expenses. So. <laughs> I was going to say something really reckless. Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. And prom dog, is there even a, is there even a point? Uh, yeah, I was about to say, I'm tired of them. Where to find me? Just chuck me in the in the description. Yeah, you guys, know, you guys, you guys know where to find them. Anyways, oh, well, guys, as usual, that, like you should cut promises like outros from every from one clip and just. Sticking in exactly. there, exactly. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, now, guys, as usual, you know, it's the Bias Reality Podcast. Find us on Instagram, Twitter, actually, follow us on Twitter, please. <laughs> but yeah, it's Instagram and Twitter at Bias Reality underscore. Honestly, like, we've got we don't use Twitter like that, and you know, we don't really have any followers, so yeah, just follow oh, us actually, on Twitter. Okay. and yeah, as usual. Enjoy your week. See you next time. Stay safe. Bye.